Hey, what's going on, Houdan Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I have a special guest with me right here on the State of the Saints podcast. I have New Orleans Saints reporter and the organizer of New Orleans.football website, Mr. Nick Underhill. How you doing, Nick? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Just trying to stay alive out here. And uh, thanks for having me. All right, man. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Me and the Houdet Nation, uh, you know, I've been talking about this uh, all week. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about the New Orleans Saints. Um, first question I wanted to ask you about is uh, the reports that came out a couple of days ago. Um, week one, Saints versus Tampa. No New Orleans Saints fans are going to be in a Superdome for week one in a classic matchup which a lot of people were waiting for, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, two first ballot Hall of Famers. I want to know what your thoughts about having no fans inside of the Superdome week one and how it would affect the defense and the team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it kind of sucks that there's going to be no one in there. It's going to be weird. The home field advantage is, is a huge thing for this team. And then, you know, just being there, not having the fans there, it's, I can't even imagine what that's going to feel like because, you know, just even as a reporter, you know, you're, you're kind of indifferent to everything. Like, it's right. a special place to be if, right. when the fans get going. And there's really no other stadium like it in the NFL. I, I You know, at least as far as the ones that I've been to, Seattle's maybe comparable, uh, Kansas City. But, like, the Superdome is just – it's different. And right. the way people relate to the team is different. And you feel that, just the, the yeah. passion and everything. So, I do think that it's going to have some effect on, on the game. I mean, there's a definite home field advantage there. I'm curious – you know, the thing I'm kind of looking at, just not even just at the Superdome, but league-wide, is just like how does it affect field goal kicking? Because right. I think if you take some of that pressure out, you're going to see some of those averages go up. And that's one of the advantages right. that, you know, Will Lutz has over everybody else is that right. he's kind of, you know, he's, he's one of the few steady guys, him, Justin Tucker, uh, Kansas City kicker. They're like the three guys that are like automatic now. Right. I wonder if that's going to affect everybody. And, yeah, the defense. One thing I, I think it might actually help defenses mm-hmm. in a weird way because – I think that your safeties now can communicate to your defensive lineman if it's a little bit quieter. Now, I don't know if they're going to pump in crowd noise, but I think that you might be able to see a little bit more complex defense mm-hmm. because you just can't talk like that when it's out loud. So right. that, that's one, That's one. like, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of like weird little hidden things that show up throughout the year. And mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know if anybody knows what they're going to be, but some things are going to change. And it's just like a, a matter of, of what it'll be and, and where it shows up. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking at it like it's going to be very, very funny. But I do feel like this year is going to be the year where if a person or a team, excuse me, a team uh, end up going to the Super Bowl, it's going to be the year that they actually earn it. Because you got to think about all of the games, you know, you have home games, you have away games, and sometimes the crowd uh, plays a huge role in a game. Rather it be, you know, a defensive stop or offense, uh, you know, a touchdown or something like that, but no crowd at all. I mean, it's about discipline. It's about communication. And I feel like the best team is going to end up winning in the end if, I mean, if things stay the way that it is. I mean, because it, it's about discipline at the end of the day. Um, yeah, look, even, uh-huh. hold on, sorry, even beyond that, though, too, it's just like keeping your guys healthy and on the field and staying away from the virus. Like, you're going to have to earn it in, like, a ton of different ways. Yep. And people are like – Hey, like if, if the team wins it, should there be an asterisk? You know, they were talking about it with the NBA too. No, like this is going to be the hardest season probably ever right. in a lot of weird ways. Right. So yeah. Okay. Like, like, let's say like Arizona goes and steals the Super Bowl, but like if they do that because their team stayed healthy and everybody mm-hmm. else didn't, 
they earned it. Like it's not right. an asterisk season. Like they did things other people couldn't do. So right. the discipline aspect is just, it's tremendous. Like yeah. it, it's a hard year. And I, I do think that Sean Payton's the right guy to lead a team through this. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to get his team to buy in. I think he's, we see him in the hotel. He's going to find other ways to create advantages. And in a situation like this, he's a guy that I would want leading my team. And, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see if, if he can keep everything away, but they're at zero tests right now. They had two false positives and right. like this thing hasn't showed up. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, everything, you know, turns out, um, you know, the right way and every, nobody has like any issues or anything like that. And like you say, it's about discipline. You know, like I, I was I don't I was looking at an article. I think a Seattle Seahawks player ended up getting cut um, <laughs> <laughs> because he, he tried to sneak a female into the hotel. Yeah. So I'm like, it, you know, it's about discipline. You know, I mean, the fact is, I understand that you want to go out. I mean, these guys. You know, they're young. You know, they want to go out here and take advantage of some of these opportunities. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to be able to do what's right for your team. And and that's not being selfish by doing things like that. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about training camp. Uh, training camp has uh, taken off. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of intriguing storylines. Uh, one in particular to me uh, is the development of Marcus Davenport. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I've been getting questions from the Huda Nation about, you know, is he legit? Is he not legit? Is he a bust? You know, I mean, we're really having these type of conversations. So so I want to know, what do you think about Marcus Davenport? And do you feel like the Saints made the right decision by drafting him? Well, let me get your take first and then and then I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. OK, well, this is this is the way I feel about it. Um, I feel like uh, Marcus Davenport is really, really good. I see a lot of great things in him. For example, uh. When they played against the Washington Redskins, when Drew Brees, uh, you know, had the, the the record he broke, you know, when he threw the ball to Traquan. If you look at that game, uh, he was dominating uh, the offensive line of the Redskins. And I think about back in 2018 when they played against Kirk Cousins in, in week eight, you know, I mean, he was dominating that game as well. So he does flash across the field. But there are some times where I feel like um, he doesn't show up, but I'm not ready to give up on him right now you know i think that he has a lot of talent and you know i see a lot of uh what people would see in someone like jadavion Clowney, or even like if he taps into that talent that he have i can see the next michael strahan in my opinion that's what he reminds me of i'm kind of at the same place with you on it i I think he had a pretty good season last year six sacks in in 13 games that's that's not bad at all he did accumulate a lot in in you know specific games so there are games where he dominated and there were some where i agree with you that that i think that he was a little bit more silent than than you'd like, but I think he like like you said, I think he has freakish uh, athletic ability. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of had the same thought on Clowney too. I think if they were on the same team and just played in the same exact circumstances, like I'm not confident that Clowney would put up better numbers than than Davenport. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that he's going to keep getting better this year. I think this offseason, him being hurt was kind of maybe possibly a benefit for him because he couldn't go out and do a whole lot of physical stuff. So it was, it was kind of just like strength training in classroom and i think the thing for him is just getting the mental there with the physical like his physical ability is it's just out of this world he does stuff that other people can't do and i think last year you saw like if you watch week one in his last game like you start to see him like stacking pass rush moves and having a better plan and i think just you know being there being in front of a a screen studying it working on zoom with with the defensive line coach uh ryan nielsen he did a lot of that i think just putting all that stuff together coming out going on the field I think we're going to see a you know a really good player. I, I could see him easily if he stays healthy, sixteen games. 
I could see 10 sacks for him. I mean, it's really – he's not that far off now. Right. Now, like, the value of the picks, like, I think that's going to be a debate that people have forever. But, you know, if you are a team drafting 22, 23, 24, or, you know, 31, 32, if you, you go as far as you want to go, where are you ever getting that that pass rusher from? Like, right. these guys don't hit the open market. Right. You could have traded for Clowney, overpaid him at some point, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really the only guy that, that's been out there since they got Davenport. So. Right. I just don't see where that answer would have came from. And it's just that positional value. Like if they hadn't picked where, where they were to get Lattimore, like you never get a cornerback, yep. you're never getting a pass rusher. Like the guy you're getting at 22, 23, 24 is like, you know, comparatively speaking, like a, like a third round wide receiver, just because people value those spots so much. Right. So they had to do it. I think we're seeing it come together as it goes. Like, is it ever two first, like worth it? You know, I don't know. But like at this point, like I kind of just push out in the back and it's like, you know, the, the price has been paid. Like, let's see what he does. And I, I think he is developing in the right way. And and I, I do really expect a good season from him, if healthy. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, I think he's a, a really good run stopper. I think he, he does he really good when it comes to stopping the run. Um, I, I think that, the you know, the pass rush ability is going to come. And, you know, what I really don't understand, Nick, is, you know, we celebrate a player like Cam Jordan, but we don't remember when he was a rookie, he didn't have a sack. At yeah. all, he zero sacks in his rookie season. You can arguably say that Marcus Davenport in the last two seasons was more productive than Cam Jordan was in his first two seasons. So I just think that sometimes, like you know, the Who That Nation, we can get a little impatient sometimes, and we we expect guys to just automatically come out and be Aaron Donald or JJ Watt, you know. And also, we were talking about Jadavian Clowney, which uh, I didn't understand, and which I don't understand is how can we go so wild and crazy about a guy? who never had double-digit sacks, and you were playing opposite of arguably the best defensive end in football over the past decade, and you still couldn't get 10 uh, double-digit sacks. So that's the way I feel about it. So I feel like we need to have patience when it comes to uh, Davenport in that regard. Um, I also want to talk to you about uh, Marcus Williams. Uh, Marcus Williams uh, he had an interview with you all uh, a couple of days ago. And he talked a little bit about his contract and um, also uh, some of the things that he did in the offseason. One thing that he said he worked on uh, was his uh, ability uh, to tackle. Um, That has been a a little bit of an issue, and he even had to uh, say it himself. Uh, I want to know, what do you think about Marcus Williams uh, as a safety, and do you feel like the New Orleans Saints are going to give him uh, an extension on his contract? The extension stop. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so hard to place a value on him because his his coverage and instincts. I mean, they're crazy. Like he's as good as anyone at seeing a play. His range is is as good as anyone at making a play. Uh, and, you know, I I think at times he puts himself in position to make plays that he has no business getting to. Like the the play against San Francisco where he fell down going to uh, Emmanuel Sanders on that deep ball. Like they're in a two safety shell. He's on the other side of the field. Right. He sees it and he gets to there and he's in position to make a play. So he's got to make the play. You can't miss that tackle. But no other safety is seeing that play and getting there in time. Like he had no business being there. So right. it's like he does things to make plays that, you know, regular safeties can't. Right. Then he doesn't finish them. And right. I don't know, man, if you're on a good tackle tackler, like all that range in the world, like it takes away from some of it. If you can't trust that guy, it makes it hard to pay him. On the other hand, like, it's just like, okay, you just got to fix this one little thing, which isn't a little thing, but it should be fixable. I, I don't know. He, he's he's a perplexing guy to kind of value to to watch. I 
you know, <laughs> the tackling stuff, it, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, you know, you're, you're year three and you said you let off it a little bit. And I don't think you were a good enough tackler to begin with to let off on it. So you shouldn't have been taking that easy. On the other hand, him admitting it and like saying it and being out there and like, you know, putting it, putting it down, like you need to do that to get better. Like, you know, you got to admit it to, to move forward. So I don't know, man, the, the contract on him, I think out of all these guys, like that's the hardest decision to make because he's so good, but like, it's hard to trust him. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those guys and I'm pretty sure you probably get this quite a bit. You really find yourself having 20, 30 minute uh, debates about how good oh, this yeah. guy is on social media. I mean, I like him a lot. I mean, I've I've seen my fair share of Saints safeties. I mean, I've been a Saints fan my whole life, born and raised in New Orleans. And I mean, he is really good. I mean, analytics uh, tell you that pro football focus tell you like one of the top safeties in the league. But the thing about it is the way the way I feel about it is he can play well the entire game. But when it matters most, the plays that stand out, like you think about um, against San Francisco, since you mentioned that, the play against George Kittle, you know, like, I mean, as, as well, you know what I'm saying, as, you know what I'm saying, like he, you know, as solid as he can be, that's the last play that you remember about him. I mean, in the, in the game, the Minneapolis Miracle, he was the one that caught the interception in order for the Saints to go right. up in the game. So, I mean, but you missed the tackle on Stephon Diggs. I mean, there is, it's, it's so wild he's a really to me he's a really good safety but it just he gives up some of those plays and it just completely negates everything that he that he does as a player and um i don't know you know i'm like i'm with you i feel like uh i don't know if they're going to pay him you know or not this is going to be like a really tough decision uh for the new orleans saints uh but i want to talk to you a little bit about some of the rookies that we have uh the saints you know they have uh Cesar Ruiz, they got Zach Bond, Adam Trotman. I mean, these are guys that the Saints feel like are going to be contributors right away. Um, first, I want to start with Cesar Ruiz. Uh, do you think that Cesar Ruiz is going to uh, play his primary position, which is center, his rookie season, or do you feel like the Saints are going to move him to the guard position just for one year? Yeah, th that's going to be tough. I, I know they want him at center, and I know they think that he's potentially smart enough to to get out there and do it. They just started getting on the uh, field this week. So, I mean, it's a long way to go. But Max Unger talked about it. He was eight years in the league, and, and he comes to the Saints. And he said hearing Breeze make these long play calls in the huddle was challenging for him, and it, it took him quite a while into the season to get comfortable with it. And it was the same thing last year with, with Eric McCoy. You know, it, there were times in, in – camp he'd be snapping the ball and Toronto would already be two yards down the field and you know it's just like getting that cadence going with, with Drew it, it takes a while to get and then even into the season Dan Roshar said that you know he was still making mistakes so it, it's going to be tough without the OTAs and that but look by the time that they get into a game and, and they start playing he's going to have heard Drew you know do the cadence a thousand times so maybe yeah. that's enough but even if it isn't you could possibly start McCoy at center play him at guard and then week four if he's ready and he's picking it up you, you can try it again or maybe like you said you wait until next season and, and just kind of roll with what you got but getting McCoy at guard I think would be like a huge advantage 489 40 speed now I know most of the time a, a offensive lineman isn't going to run 40 yards down the field but he might <laughs> he might on a screenplay so if you get him out there leading the way and you know they do a lot of outside zone runs so that that right. range you know plays a factor there too so he's potentially one of the more athletic guards in the, in the league and you're going to get a lot more out of him at that position than center. But, you know, you got to have the snap down and everything. So right. it's a, 
it's going to be a challenge, but everybody talks about how smart this guy is. So, so maybe he can uh, get, get beat that curve quick enough. Yeah. I think that uh, he is going to be a, a very solid center, but I don't know, like no OTAs and no mini camp. I mean, it, I, I feel like if, if I were uh, the Saints, I would try to put Eric McCoy and keep him at that position because, I mean, he does have one year under his belt and maybe have, uh, you know, Caesar at the guard position. You know, I, I, I just feel like it's like you said, I mean, I've, I've heard you're like the third person, you know, that I've, I've interviewed that said this, you know, the other reporters that were out there training camp said the same exact thing about Eric McCoy and, uh, you know, with the snap count. But I mean, so I know it's going to be tough for uh, Caesar. I mean, but I feel like he has all the tools to really be good. Uh, I want to move on to uh, Adam Troutman, uh, the, the tight end out of Dayton. Uh Jared Cook uh, talked about him um, in an interview, talked about how he feels he's doing a good job. But there was one thing that I noticed that he said. He said that Adam Trotman was running with the ones. So my question is to you, uh, is Adam Trotman running with the ones? Any indication that the Saints may move on from Josh Hill? I don't think they'll get rid of Josh Hill this quick, just because I don't think either one of those guys have enough blocking ability yet. Mm -hmm. Uh the thing is, you watch Troutman's college tape, and like he is super willing to to block. He's he's in the mix. He's, you know, and I think that's the main thing. Like you saw Jimmy Graham, like he he wasn't an eager blocker. The problem with Troutman is he doesn't have the technique yet or the know how. So I think it's going to take a little while to do that. And you're going from Dayton to like potentially chipping like JJ Watt. You know what I mean? Like that's quite that's quite a difference in in talent and guys that you got to block. So he would need to show the ability to do that. So I don't know. I mean, like Josh Hill is one of those guys that like Sean loves too. And yeah. this is like a weird thing, but you really kind of got to consider that. Like Bryce Harris stuck around forever because of it. Right. He liked cadet forever. Tommy Lee Lewis got a hundred chances. Josh Hill is one of those guys that he really likes yeah. and he does contribute. And he does a lot of things on special teams and a year where you're going to need a lot of depth. Like you got to plan for the coronavirus and all that. I don't think this is like Nick Easton's another guy that I think in a normal year, it's like, do you really need them? Like right. you, you could save right. $3.8 million by cutting them, but in a coronavirus year where you need depth, like I think that changes the way we're having all these conversations. And if you can keep a guy and then, you know, stash somebody somewhere else or, or whatever, I think you have to factor that into the equation. Like it's just not like a normal, like beat out year. It's like, you got to build the deepest team possible. You got to think about hiding your rookies on the track, not Troutman, but like a UDFA, like you aren't going to move them up just to have them. Like you might hide them on the practice squad until you need them. And it's just going to be a very weird year with the way roster building goes. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you with the uh, the Josh Hill analysis. Um, Sean Payton has a lot of respect for him. You can tell. I think uh, I think in a press conference in the NFC Championship game, uh, he talked about Josh Hill, and I think Josh Hill left the game with a concussion. And he talked about how many plays he had to eliminate because Josh Hill wasn't yep. in the game. So I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about. Uh, what Sean Payton uh, thinks about Josh Hill. I know uh, Drew Brees loves him, you know, and I, I know the team does as well. Uh, another rookie that is standing out and is making waves is uh, uh, Marquez Callaway. Um, this is a this is a guy who came out of Tennessee, a uh, guy that has a lot of confidence in himself. Um, me personally, I feel like uh, he, nobody really was talking about him because, you know, University of Tennessee hasn't had a, a really good quarterback since I, what, I say T Martin back in 98, you know? <laughs> so it's been a while since we, uh, we seen some production at the quarterback position at the university of Tennessee, but 
he is with the Saints now. And uh, my question is to you is, do you see him possibly making uh, the starting rotation? I think he's going to make a push maybe for a spot. Like, I, I do think that there's some possibility there a little bit deeper down the depth chart. The one guy that I think kind of messes things up a little bit for, for the UDFAs or Will Jordan Humphrey or Emmanuel Butler or everybody else, like, bringing Benny Fowler in, and yeah. he was like a Drew Brees, like, camp pick guy. Like, he worked out with him in Denver, and then Drew basically said, hey, I like this guy, bring him in the camp. Like, if you got chemistry with the QB and the QB wants you there, that's like half the battle. You're going to get some throws in, in camp and – you're going to stand out and that chemistry is already there, but Callaway did make a lot of big plays in college without a great quarterback. I, I like a lot of the stuff he can do, yeah. you know, little Jordan Humphrey. They, they like him a lot. Obviously I think Butler is somebody they still like a whole lot. Right. Uh, Jawan Johnson, the, the uh, Oregon guy, uh, he's not a great receiver, but he's, he's a good blocker. Right. They don't have that like standout blocking wide receiver now after getting rid of uh Hogan. So, right he might have a way to get on the team through that too. So I, I think they've done a really good job of, of building depth there. Just, you know, there's a lot of options as you go down the depth chart. The other thing that's interesting too is outside of like Emmanuel Sanders and obviously Deontay Harris, like all these guys they've brought in the last two years are like 6'2", 230 pounds. Like they're really right. big dudes. So like they're after a certain type of receiver. And, you know, I think that there's probably a spot for at least one of them on the 53 and, you know, I'm like you. I, I like Callaway. I like a lot of the stuff he's done. You know, you, you watch him, you see the big playability. So when we get out there finally on Monday to see these guys, you know, he's going to be someone I'm looking at early. And, you know, I, I do think, you know, if I earmarked it, he was a guy that I kind of had on like my, my dark horse radar to, to make a push for the team. Yeah, I, I think if I can put uh, my finger on what's going on as far as them uh, getting a certain type of receiver, I think it has a lot to do with Drew Brees. And, uh, you know, the, the the passes that he throw, I mean, we know, I mean, it's, it's pretty much evident now, you know, Drew Brees doesn't have the same arm strength he had when he was in his, in his youth, uh, you know, but <laughs> when he was uh, earlier in, a, in, in his uh, Saints career. So I, I do feel like the Saints try to get those bigger targets to me because of the catch radius. I mean, you look at somebody like Michael Thomas, I mean, I mean, unlimited catch radius. Uh, you look at somebody like Brandon Coleman, who they kept around for a long time. Uh, I just feel like they like those type of guys because, I mean, it helps out Drew Brees, especially when it comes to, like, short yardage uh, situations. They can actually win those matchups. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I think about that. But um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the running backs. Uh, Alvin Kamara came out and said that he was dealing uh, with injuries uh, throughout most of the season. Uh, he said he played about 73%. Uh, they had uh, articles coming out talking about him having a torn MCL. He played most of the season with that, which is unbelievable that he decided to do that, especially going into a contract year. Uh, my question is to you is uh, how do you see Alvin Kamara's 2020 campaign going? And do you see the New Orleans Saints committing more to the running game um, as they have in the past? Man, the crazy thing about his season, you watch the first five games, he forced 38 missed tackles in, uh, in five games. That's like seven a game. 100 in the season, like more than 100 in the season, which is just, it's otherworldly. Like nobody else is doing that. And I'm not going to like say he's the best running back in the NFL, like Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, like they're putting up better numbers. They're healthy. They're out there. They're, they're doing more. Right. I think there's like a serious argument that Alvin's potentially the most talented running back in the NFL, but we just haven't seen it for 16 games. If he can stay healthy for the whole season, like I seriously think he could easily have like a 2000 yard from scrimmage year. Like, I don't think it's that crazy. Right. Through those first five games, he was on pace, I think, for 1963 or 19, 
1900 and some yards. So he was knocking on that door right there. And then he gets hurt. He has the knee injury. He has an ankle injury. He had a back injury too. And he still finished with 4.7 yards per carry through the year. McCaffrey was at 4.8. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's there. He just needs to be healthy. He needs to be able to handle the carries. And if he's that dynamic, you know, I, I don't know about the commitment more to the running game. I think he'd probably take a bigger piece of the, the puzzle than Latavius Murray. Right. The one thing I keep going back to is when I – like I've been thinking about like how the distribution is going to go all year. Right. You brought all these mouths to the table. You spent on Emmanuel Sanders. You paid for Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Like you know you got to feed them all. So right. like they're going to be throwing the ball. Like maybe the screen game becomes, you know, heavier, which is an extension of the running game. Like right. Alvin's going to get his yards and his targets and, and all that stuff he's, if he's healthy. But, right. I mean, they'll always try to be balanced, but I don't know if it's like going to shift more to – the running game than it has in the past. Like, I mean, I just keep thinking like they got to throw the ball to all. Like, you don't spend all this money on all these guys on offense and like pack it in and hand it off. Like, right. So I could see, I could see. I actually think Drew's Drew's pass attempts are going to go up a little bit this year. Right. Maybe that's a crazy thought, but like, I don't think it's going to be 2015. But like, you know, just a little bit, a little bit higher. And and I think everybody's going to eat somehow. I mean, but I, I got to put you on the spot here, Nick. But do you feel like they need to? Uh, commit more to the run i mean you think about you think about uh back in 2015 i I use this example quite a bit with peyton manning i mean him being at the twilight of his career the the Denver broncos went out and they 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 got running backs and they they beefed up the offensive line in order for them to you know to run the football to help out peyton manning and also you know they beefed up the defense so do you feel like it's a smart decision um for the new orleans saints to commit to the passing game and, and 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 use all of these guys throwing the ball all over the field and not having more of a balanced attack with Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. Do you think that they still could possibly make a Super Bowl run if they commit more to the pass this season? Than I, I, just, I just think that's kind of a rigid way to look at it a little bit. Like what's the difference between like a three yards through the air target to Mike on a slant, you know, like all these short passes are almost extensions of the running game. They're so efficient that you're basically keeping the clock running either way. You're getting your yardage. It's not like a high-risk play. Like, if Mike's catching 86% of his targets on slants, like, you can throw a slant, and it's basically a running play, like, in the sense that you're going to get your four, five, six yards, keep the clock moving, move the chains, and it's just kind of grinding it out like that. So I don't know if it's like – I just don't look at it as, like, a straight handoff. Like, it's kind of like – it is. it's just – it's basically I see the, the short game over the middle in the running game almost in the same vein, and, right. and they're going to control the clock that way. And, you know, I, I think if you do that, their ball control – they were ball control last year, even if like the running, you know, plays aren't where everybody wants them to be. It's just they aren't taking these shots down the field. There aren't like these two minute drives with the 60 yard passing play. You know, it's just like they're, they're meticulously going down the field no matter what. And I do think they're going to spread it out a little bit more with with, you know, I think Sanders being here tells you a story that there's going to be a little bit more aggression in, in some ways. But like, I, you know, Drew can talk about throwing 45 yard post routes. I don't think we're going to see one in a game. Like, I just don't think that <laughs> I just don't think this is going to happen. Right. Maybe there is a little bit more arm strength there, but like mm-hmm. that, that, those days are gone. They don't need yeah. to do that. So, I mean, I, I just, I just think everybody's going to might like, if you aren't getting Mike, his targets, you aren't getting Sanders, his targets, you aren't getting cook his targets. Like, why are you spending this money? You know, Mike's not making plays. He's not going to be happy. Sanders will probably be okay. But I mean, I just don't, I don't see it like a, a huge shift in philosophy coming this year. Okay. Well, uh, I I hope 
I'm just saying, I hope that they actually commit to the run a little bit. I know more, you guys love I, the running game, man. The Saints I mean, fans love the running game. Yeah, I mean, running the football, I feel like, is is, is important. And I, I get what you're saying about, you know, uh, you know, three-yard catches and stuff like that. But what happens when a pass is incomplete and you get three and outs? You know, like, what, what happens then? I mean, the clock still isn't moving, in my opinion. You know, I feel like uh, it's still – I mean, if you're dropping a ball, the ball is falling on the ground. I mean, things happen. I mean, you're allowing the team, uh, your opponent, to get back into the game, especially if you got two and three touchdown leads. I just feel like you're giving them more opportunities to do so. Well, so, well, a lot of those, a lot of those, those slants to Mike, like you, you'll see, he's the only one running her out. Like Drew counts the box and he'll throw it to Mike if if it's a loaded box. So I mean, it's like you know, it's like it's a package play. So like there is like an idea like hey we're gonna run it here but if there's eight guys in the box like you aren't just gonna run into a wall you're, you're gonna try to hit the slant and right you know get your yards that way so i mean it's not you know it is to me it is like almost the same exact thing as, as running the ball like especially there a, a slant of mike is like damn near 100 percent play like you're gonna get yards and, and run the clock right i mean yeah i, I get what you're saying i mean we've seen this before especially like when andy reed was out in philadelphia and you know you've seen that a lot with um Mc, uh, McNabb throwing it to West uh, Westbrook and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, this we've seen this before, but I, I need to see the running game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to say, uh, oh yeah, I, I got to ask you about this. Uh, a story that actually made TMZ a couple of days ago. Uh, Sean Payton. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sean Payton uh, giving uh, some instructions on what to do when mustard is on your shirt. So I want to know, like. What what exactly happened? And uh, you know, I mean, what was the story behind it? Like, I mean, was it like a, a muted mic or what happened with it? Yeah, somebody thought they were muted and they weren't, and they were asking. It was the TV guy who was asking somebody in the room how to get a stain out. He thought he was muted. Sean jumped in and, and had the advice right away. Look, he's a low key funny guy, man. I think we've seen, like everybody's seen a lot more of it during you know the coronavirus. Him getting involved on social media and. You know, he's 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 quick with it. He's got a good sense of humor. And, and you know, if you're slipping around, Sean, he's he's going to get you. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of what happened there. Look, like I'm dying to hear the story. I, I'm sure you saw it, like Demario Davis was talking about a rap battle with a, a rookie. Like somebody came in on like the rookie talent night. This Sean. Sean came back the next day with his own diss track. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think, you know, really the last few years, I think Sean's kind of like lightened up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. there was like a very intense Sean Payton. I think. I think he's lightened up. He's changed his approach a little bit and, you know, he's, he's allowing more of himself to be out there and, right. you know, his players respond to it. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. all, it's all part of the package. Yeah. I mean, uh, Reggie Bush even talked about that. He talked about like uh, the way that Sean Payton is like night and day, like from when he first came uh, back in 2006 and how he is now. Uh, but I mean, we enjoy Sean Payton, especially on social media uh, and we looking forward to him actually, you know, leading the Saints to the Super Bowl, you know, in Tampa. We're looking forward <laughs> to that. Uh, and we also appreciate you, Nick, for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, before you get up out of here, uh, can you uh, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and also uh, about the website? Yeah, I got, I got my own website, running myself, uh, neworleans.football. Takes a little money to support it, but, you know, I, I feel like it, it, it's worth it. I put it in a lot of work, yeah. do a lot of film study, stuff like that. So, uh, we'll be on there. I practice reports starting Monday every day, assuming I pass my coronavirus test. First one was good. So hopefully we keep going with that. And I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. And man, I appreciate you having me. It's a good conversation. Anytime you want me, appreciate you supporting the website. So yeah, anytime you want me, just let me know. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you all check it out. New Orleans dot football and subscribe to the site. 
great great articles great content i mean everything you need to know about the new orleans saints and and you may uh be um humble you know to a point where you don't want to say it but you are is that you are the wave you know what i'm saying like <laughs> I, I see a lot of people using your information out there you know <laughs> or, or podcasts and different other outlets so you won't say it but i will but uh thank you very much nick for being a part of state of the saints podcast nice talking to you you take care appreciate it man all right thank you yeah no problem man that was good yeah <laughs>